Welcome to Crosspoint. 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 An interactive program featuring ministers and leaders of the Christian community addressing the issues that are challenging the church today. Here's your host, Mark Taylor. America's churches, schools, and citizenry has constitutional rights, yet they are being threatened. Welcome to today's Crosspoint. I'm Mark Taylor. Today, my guest is Cheryl Chumley, best-selling author, Army veteran, and an award-winning journalist. Well, today again, we'd like to welcome back to our broadcast here on Crosspoint, uh, Cheryl Chumley. Remember, folks, she talked to us a while back. Uh, we was talking about socialism, Socialists Don't Sleep, was her book, and how Christians might rise or America will fall. Um, she's got this latest work out we're talking about today is lockdown, and it's talking again about the socialist plan to take away our freedom. And uh, Cheryl, uh, this is something that's been going on, I guess, for many years, but now the big move's been made, hasn't it? Yes, it sure has been, and it's it's sad to me when I see people uh, out and about thinking we have turned the corner on the coronavirus, and we're all headed back to pre-pandemic normalcies, because uh, one of the reasons I wrote lockdown was to show that we're not. You know, I didn't know it, but... I just ran across this the other day. There's still people out there, still companies out there that are requiring people to be vaccinated and stuff, uh, you know, or they could lose their job. I didn't even know that was still going on. Yeah, um, and more than the companies, what to me is a danger are the college campuses around the United States that have just come out and announced as a condition of attending on-campus studies in this coming fall semester, you have to have proof of these COVID shots. And, you know, at this point in time, when the science dictates, the science that the left so loved to quote for three plus years as as reason to get us to take the shots and social distance and face masks, the real science shows that these shots are anything but the level of efficacy that were that was promised, as well as the, the standards of safety. Well, there's been some good from that, but there's been a lot that um, things have not happened so well when people have taken these shots. And uh, you talk about, in the prologue of the book, you say doctors may may say this, that the scientists uh, may say that, but in the end it is God who has the final say. So no matter what other people are saying, uh, God's going to have the final say in how all this stuff was handled and is being handled. Yeah, and you know what? The prologue is more a common-sense call, right? How many of us out there, and I think it's about every American, have either been told something by a doctor that was going to happen that never did, or know somebody who was told something by a doctor that was going to happen and never did? Doctors are wrong all the time, which is why you have in this nation health freedom, health choice. And it's under this coronavirus that that all got thrown out the window. The mandates were just horrific. If you want to take the shots yourself or hey, wear face masks, go, have at it. Just don't fight for mandates. Don't fight for the right for the government to tell us to do all that. In part of the book here, I'm looking at page actually 12 and 13. I think we could probably talk about most of the book right here. Uh, because you're talking about, you said, Mark, these words this year of the COVID-19 will no doubt be remembered as a golden era for socialism, communism, uh, collectivism, globalist 
And here's a short list of what they accomplished, and you list this here. They shut down America's small businesses. They closed the nation's public schools. They used the free market to impose mandates. They fined citizens without masks who walked in public. They crafted health care directives. They imposed executive orders that were far outlived for their supposed health emergency. They wrecked national holidays. They shut down the country's biggest forms of entertainment. They upset high school graduations, college scholarships, weddings, funerals, burials, grieving loved ones advanced, called for billions of tax dollars to go forward in a nationwide contact, contact tracing system, uh, the jeopardization of the nation's children's psychological, forcing them to live their lives as hermits. Uh, this just goes on and on here of what they have accomplished. And, uh, you know, really, in all all reality, they have done a lot of damage, haven't they? Yes, and, and just two points to add to what you said. Let's remember, they did all that on that list that you just read from, and more, all the while hypocritically going about their own business, yeah. right? You remember Gavin Newsom with shutting down California and taking to national media, talking about the dangers of the virus and so forth, and mandating his own citizens stay off the beaches for crying out loud. We saw videos of people walking on empty beaches being chased by police officers uh, because it went against the executive order. Shutting down businesses, but not all businesses, not the marijuana shops or alcohol businesses, not the big box businesses, but little ones. And then shutting down churches and so forth. Gavin Newsom, the one who told us that singing in church could spread the coronavirus. And meanwhile, Meanwhile, he was out there going to private parties with his big money donors in enclosed restaurant spaces, no face masks, no social distancing and so forth. And he was not the only one doing that. That, to me, was the biggest face slap, that it was a do as I say, not as I do approach. And the second big thing that I just wanted to point out was the closing of the churches, which I found just horrible. In a, in a nation where our exceptionalism comes from the core concept of God-given rights, if you take God out of that equation, what do you have? You, you have rights that come from government. And so the closing of the churches was the symbolic gesture to the globalists around the world who have been gunning for America for decades now that, hey, America is ripe for picking. We are crumbling the last wall to freedom, which is the churches, which is the faith. Yeah, and let's let's kind of look into that, too, because that's been a big stick item, you know, for them. They can deal with this. They can even deal with conservatives somewhat. Uh, but when it comes to the churches, if people that and there was a few out there uh, MacArthur Hibbs and different ones that refused to shut their churches down and they continued on those people really were a, <laughs> you know something in their crawl they didn't like that very much and yet those churches I have noticed have really thrived the ones that actually did stay open Oh, yeah. Uh, Jack Hibbs, Pastor Jack Hibbs, I know him, and he stood strong. John MacArthur, I've never met him, but of course I've heard his preaching. And there were others. There were others out there in spots. Some some others, as a matter of fact, 
they did it quietly so they wouldn't bring on the big government, uh, you know, guns against their churches, mandating that they close. They just quietly kept their churches going. But that was the biggest loss to me in America, the, the, the shutting of the churches by government order, because that is just the foundation. That's the DNA of America, right? God-given, the God-given rights, God-given individualism. And when the churches shut the door, that just showed a turning in our country that really is just, it's something that just sends the message that we are no longer a nation that takes our individual rights from God, but we are more than willing to do what government tells us. And so kudos to the churches who stood up to the storm, because another one's coming someday, and they've already proven their mettle that they will withstand the storm. But boo on the churches that just folded to government order, because I think there's going to be an accounting from God for doing that. Well, in the first of chapter one of your book, you started off talking about December 2019, how the officials of the Wuhan Municipal Health Commission in China reported a number of cases of pneumonia, later identified as a never-before-seen coronavirus, and then what happened from there. Um, you know, there's been so much talk about how that started, where it started, why it started, who started it, um, why it was let go. Uh, do you ever think they'll find out the truth to the whole matter, or do we actually know the truth? Yeah, I don't think we know. The, the, the big question was, at the time when this book came out to me, and still now ongoing when you talk to people who who talk about the history of this virus, the big question is always, was this started purposely as some sort of weapon by the globalists working with China, or was it an accident that was just exploited by the leftists? And I've always come at it sort of from the point of view, in the end, it really doesn't matter, because in America, the effect was still the same. So it's an interesting question, but I tend to think that it was probably a mistake in China based on funding that Anthony Fauci uh, gave the okay to do illegally, right, immorally. But in the end, I don't think that China actually set up to design this virus as a means of crumbling the economies of the world or crumbling America specifically as a way of getting back at Trump. Yeah. And yeah, well, it just seemed like so many things so conveniently happened at such convenient times that it does make a a person wonder. And, you know, really, in this book here, uh, playing off your book, Socialists Don't Sleep, that's a perfect example of that book. You know, they don't sleep. They don't quit. They keep watching. They're looking for their next opportunity. And like you said, they've got a plan already for that next opportunity. So would you not say in this book, Lockdown, it's kind of a warning uh, that the extraordinary powers uh, of the left wing has and we're willing to invoke uh, for control? That's exactly why I wrote the book, as a warning, in hopes that America, when something else comes down the pike under the umbrella of health emergency or some sort of international emergency, that they think back to what took place under the coronavirus, as I detail in this book, and then they realize that some of the things that I look ahead that are coming are actually unfolding and we fight for our freedoms as americans instead of just trying to do the right thing for our neighbors and because government told us to would it be possible that 
using COVID-19 was only using it as a cover uh, for some other things? Yes. I mean, this is not a conspiracy, right? Klaus Schwab, with the World Economic Forum, has come out and said that, that now, unlike any other time in history, the coronavirus has given the World Economic Forum and their partners, right, their globalist partners, including China, the opportunity to reshape the economies of the world. And if you go through his own writings, which I did, and some of which were reported in this book, Lockdown, you see that what he envisions is what's called Chinese capitalism, which is another way of saying communism, because you can't have communism mixed with capitalism and still call it free. And so this is why you see all these woke companies out there. You see all this social justice training going on. It's all part of this new system, this new model of free markets, and that's free in air quotes, that is coming from the World Economic Forum as the natural segue from the coronavirus. Now, you say in the book, too, you talk about the pandemic itself kind of served as a a dress rehearsal in its march to a new fascism. It did. It it definitely did. Because, look, say say you're the World Economic Forum, say you're the United Nations or somebody in, you know, the globalist government who has been eyeing America for decades now, wondering how can we cripple America, how can we crumble it and make America lose that that God-given individual right thing? Well, the coronavirus gave that amazing opportunity because... One of the biggest failings of America after the coronavirus was to go back in time and recapture individualism. We were trained under three-plus years of the coronavirus to think of others that the government pointed out we needed to think of before we thought of ourselves. The government successfully brought forward a form of collectivism, which is what communism, socialism, Marxism is all based upon, right? That's the real enemy. And and made us ashamed if we didn't do what they deemed the patriotic thing, to take the shots, to wear the face mask, to social distance, to stay out of church. We were the ones who were shamed into thinking those activities, those actions, those behaviors were wrong because we were putting ourselves selfishly first before others in America who might be afraid. And so that right there is a perfect opportunity where America is now ripe for the globalist taking. Well, folks, we're talking about the book Lockdown and the socialist plan to take away our freedom. Stay with us. We'll have more right after this. This is Mark Taylor. If you miss a broadcast of Crosspoint, you can always go to our website at www.kneo.org and click on the Programs page. There you can access the current Crosspoint program as well as the last four programs that have been aired. Never miss another Crosspoint program again. Go to www.kneo.org today. Welcome back to Crosspoint. I'm Mark Taylor. Your host, my guest, is Cheryl Chumley and uh, talking about the book Lockdown, the Socialist Plan to Take Away Your Freedom. Cheryl, tell people how they can find out more about you, about this book, and what you do. Sure. Uh, well, you can always go to WashingtonTimes.com because I write there daily on these topics and more, and I also do a um, podcast there 
Bold and Blunt, which you can get at Washington Times or wherever podcasts are. But um, if you want to see my books and the endorsements, the, the one-stop shopping would be my own personal website, CherylChumley.com, or find me on Twitter at C.K. Chumley. Okay, Chapter 3 of the book, Spinning the Truth So Socialism Can Thrive. You've got a scripture there about uh, from Psalms 19, that yet their voices goes on throughout all the earth and their words into the end of the world. But right off the bat there, you say, our freedom of speech is in danger. And how many people do you think really understand this? Well, certainly Americans are awakening to this, right? Because they, they see firsthand what happened with big tech and social media stifling uh, voices of conservatives and Christians, too, for the last few years, booting off a president from Twitter. That's unheard of. But I think they're missing the bigger picture here. They're missing the, the subtle stifling of speech, because if they weren't missing it, 20 years ago, when the phrase hate speech was making its rounds of popularity, it would have been fought back by conservatives then, because they would have seen the path that that was taking us. In America, there is no such thing as hate speech, right? There's free speech, and then there's not free speech. But the left has been successfully able to sell the idea that out of hate speech, then comes dangerous speech, then comes misinformation and disinformation. And then they are allowed to make the case that the government needs to shut down those forms of speech and that, yes, well, free speech is good. Some free speech needs to be regulated by government. And this is where we're at in America. And the coronavirus crazy just reinforced that principle that has been making its way through college campuses for a few years now. And the way it did it is shutting down dissenting viewpoints of the government's narrative on coronavirus. How many scientists with decades of experience in viruses, in vaccines, and so forth, expert in these fields, were booted off social media and shut down because their viewpoints conflicted with what the government wanted put out? But that's where we're at in America, and there are too many people who think that's okay, that that's a rightful role of our government nowadays to play the police officer for what is safe speech versus unsafe speech. Chapter 5, you talk about patriotism and then what's unpatriotic. You say there on page 79, you said this is not to say Americans who want to wear face masks shouldn't wear face masks. Just don't pretend that you're wearing a face mask as a sign of patriotism or that you're refusing to wear a face mask as a show of treachery. You say wearing a face mask is a sign of many things. A sign of believing in the power of the cloth to filter out the virus or a sign of believing in the might of the medical community. A sign of obedience to the government, a sign of faith in government, a sign of apathy and willingness to go along with uh, this sign of, if it's a sign of fear. Some people in America truly do wear the face coverings because they do believe that they're truly saving others from the virus. That's their choice. But wearing the face mask as a sign of patriotism, uh, you say no. Yeah, I know you remember Joe Biden going around and saying that wearing face masks is a patriotic duty. And there were many in his cabinet who said the same thing. And it's actually the opposite of patriotic, because patriot in America means individualist. 
It means somebody who thinks for his or herself and decides his or her own actions in life, absent of government order. The government to a patriot in America is only there to recommend or guide or advise, but not to dictate by executive order, not to just issue a regulation from the White House and have it carried out as if it's law. So patriot, patriotism, patriotic, all got redefined under the coronavirus to mean obedient to government will. In Chapter 4, you talk about, you know, exploring the COVID-19 is fun, but you also talk about, you know, the youth. And the youth are the ones that really picked up on this. I mean, the youth seemed to go along with this a lot more than other people did. Is that what they were really trying to do, was to get the youth on their side? Oh, well, absolutely, right? Because the youth for years now have been corrupted in the school system by teachers who are hailing from the Democratic Socialists of America, right? In my previous book, Socialists Don't Sleep, I showed how the DSA actively recruits teachers to go into the public school systems to teach the younger generations in the socialist Marxist way to go. And so the outcome of that, first we were seeing years and years ago on the college campuses, right? If you happen to be a Republican student or a conservative uh, leaning student, then your professors would attack you because 90% of professors on college campuses have uh, been taken over by the left ideology in recent years. But the public school systems have actually gone down that same path. And what we're seeing now coming out of the public school systems, grade 12 and below, are kids who are trained to think that America is inherently racist founding fathers are archaic and their views have no place in modern society. The free market is discriminatory and that socialism slash communism is the way to go. And so it's no wonder that these kids, told to wear face masks, told that they have to get shots, told to stay away from kids at school, and even told to stay home and study on their computers, have gone along willingly. And you have to think The repercussion here is these are the next generation of leaders in America, afraid to do anything without the government giving them the thumbs up. Well, and this has caused a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of issues with people getting along with each other, because some people were definitely against this. Other people were all for it. And it really kind of split the people up. And so to me, what happened, and you talk about this in the book and also as the book leads up to this, I mean, look at what was happening in America, tearing down statues, uh, anything to try to separate the people. And then here comes a pandemic, and it really did seem to separate the people. Yeah, and the, and the face masks were the outward show, right? They, they were the tell of where you stood. I mean, it, it, was, it was sort of crazy. If you wore a face mask, then you were accepted. Uh, oh, you're, you're one of us. But if you dared to go into businesses, especially businesses that had those stupid signs on their door, face masks must be worn to enter. It's the law. And I say stupid because it never was a law, right? It was just a dictate by a local health bureaucrat. And if you actually went into the stores without wearing a face mask, as I did, It was almost always the younger people, the Gen Zs and maybe millennials, who would just happily come rushing toward you and telling you 
that you had to wear a face mask. You had to wear a face mask. They, they were like mad parrots just saying the same thing over and over. And it, to me, it was like the ignorance on display, but they were given the platform to try and force older Americans or other people to do their will. And it, it was crazy how America was just corrupted by this. Honestly, here I am in Northern Virginia, and I still see some of this still going on today. True. Yeah, there's still people wearing, I, I don't understand it. I I can't understand, especially when I go to churches. <laughs> and they're still wearing face masks, some of them at that still or makes in their me, cars by themselves. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it just don't make any sense. And, and speaking of that, it's, you know, how was it that you could, you had to wear these face masks in these airports, but then three or 400 people on an airplane sitting side by side, and that wasn't, and then you had to come on, you know, in social distance, you had to leave in social distance, but you sat arm to arm with people, and that wasn't a problem? Yeah, I, I, I always saw the face mask, first off, as, as very non-scientific based, because if face masks had been proven to work, then we would have been wearing them long ago when other viruses popped up. But we've already had the science that they don't work. And then the second thing I saw them as is very political. They were just the outward announcement of whether you obeyed the government or not. And you were setting yourself up as a target if you chose not to wear them. Yeah. There's still a plan out there that, like you said in in the other book, Socialists Don't Sleep. Well, in lockdown, there's still other plans out there for other lockdowns to come. And you're trying to tell America in this thing to wake up because you believe there's a crucial warning uh, to America about what's just happened, as this is the only the beginning. It it absolutely is, and don't take my words for it. Read Bill Gates's latest book, How to Prevent the Next Pandemic, which came out coincidentally the exact same day my book, Lockdown, came out. In his book, which I have and which I've gone through, he is talking about the next pandemic as if it's a certainty, which, you know, of course, we all eventually there's going to be another pandemic, right? Viruses come and go. But he has a listed way of how governments of the world need to coordinate and and cooperate with each other, meaning under the globalist World Health Organization, to respond to these pandemics. And in his view, it it entails funding this this small task force of uh, of select scientists who, as soon as the virus crops around the world, they'll rush to that area, investigate, and then start to tell governments how to respond to the pandemic. And if you remember how Bill Gates responded to the coronavirus, he said China actually did it best by shutting everything down. And so this is what we have on the horizon. We have billionaires like Bill Gates, who was already uh, in partnership with some of these zealots at the World Health Organization and China and so forth. And he is basically preparing, paving the way for the next pandemic and how we will be shutting down once again. Yeah. Well, I recently went through heart surgery and had a lot of opportunity to be in around hospital people just to ask questions and if they wanted to talk, get their feeling. But, you know, one person had said to me, this was a doctor, said that the, the virus was created for the serum, you know, the, the antidote. He said there was more money made in this whole deal by pharmaceutical companies than you can ever imagine. <laughs> oh, gosh, yes. 
Yeah. It, 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 wow. For him to say that, it, it, yeah. I mean, but the money, yeah, it, it was what, hand over a fist? Is that yeah. the expression? Unbelievable amounts. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, tell people again now, if they're interested in... In, in your book here, all your other books, because they are good books, or, or what you do with they maybe want to go and read your articles and stuff, how would they do that? You can read me at the Washington Times every day, and you can also subscribe to my newsletter there to get my commentaries and bold and blunt podcasts right in your email box. You can go to CherylChumley.com and see my books, um, order them if you like, read the endorsements from Newt Gingrich to Steve Bannon. There's a lot of um, nice nice things people have said about my works, and you can, um, again, you can find me on Twitter at C.K. Chumley. All right, folks, well, stay with us, and we're going to be back with more in just a moment. Well, it seems like every time that I'm struggling with something or I'm going through something, it always changes my outlook and my my attitude and the way I see things. This is 91.7 The Word. It's very encouraging here. Radio that impacts your future. This is Crosspoint. I'm Mark Taylor. And my guest today, Cheryl Chumley. Now, Cheryl, I noticed here in your list of things that you're an Army veteran. Is that correct? Yes, I am. And in doing, you know, being in that part of our branch of government or, uh, you know, serving our country, uh, how does this make somebody in the military feel? Because the military really took a hit on this. You know, how many people got kicked out of the military or was demoted in the military because they wouldn't take the shot? I mean, this really had an effect on our military. On so many different levels, I found it distressing. First and foremost, because, you know, first person, I, I am an active Army veteran. So uh, I understand the the hardship and the, you know, the sacrifices that members of the military already make by, by joining. And then second off, it was, again, personal, because I had a son, uh, 21 or 20 at the time, and he wanted for pretty much most of his life to join the military. And he decided not to because of the shot mandates and because of Joe Biden and the leftist policies that were taking over the military, the wokeness and so forth. And then he had friends in the military who were forced to take the shot, and they were terrified. They tried not to, but they were terrified about it, and they were forced anyhow. And I I entered interviewed many people who had sources within the military or who tried to get out of the military because of the mandates, the shots, and they weren't allowed. They were forced to take them. And I actually think that any member of the military who has a negative outcome from the shot, we as taxpayers have a moral duty to pay some sort of retribution, some sort of, uh, you know, payback for forcing these soldiers into shots. It's just the right thing to do as a country. In the part of the book, you talk about lessons on deception from Animal Farm. Uh, On 172 here, you say, if America's loss loses the concept of rights coming from the creator, then the government will have an open door to tend to or tread on individual rights. If America loses the concept of rights coming from God, what is the difference between this country and any other country? Uh, This could be also then considered a spiritual battle. 
Oh, it definitely is. And as, as a matter of fact, the whole coronavirus, you know, you could see demonic forces at work. If you, if, I don't know how many personal stories you have of just vicious backlash from refusing to go along with the government orders or the mandates of the local bureaucrats, but I have plenty. And these people weren't just disagreeing with your opinion. They were demonic about it. And if you look at what's taken place in America in the last few years, it's like an open floodgate of all these satanic forces that have really the the delusion that's come across America about our founding and our DNA and the proper role of government versus the proper role of citizens. It, it completely changed the landscape of our nation. And so when you look at fighting for America and keeping our liberties uh, intact for future generations, all roads lead back to the fight for God-given individual liberties. Everything else is just a whack-a-mole battle. Everything comes back to keeping God at the forefront in our society. Towards the back of the book, and then there you say this is a part where the interested reader would ask, okay, so what do we do? Here's the biggest one. God will not be mocked. What do you have to say to that? You know, there's a lot of people in this country the last few years who've had their eyes awakened to the perils we're facing as a nation. And there are a lot of people in America who come out on election time and they hold prayer vigils for America. And that's all well and good. Uh, I I join the prayer uh, vigils and I, I pray for our country too. But you can't mock God by praying for His grace and then turning around and continuing in the same sin uh, that you were previously before you prayed. And I look back personally on Obergefell versus Hodges, the U.S. Supreme Court case that ushered in gay marriage as a thumbs up by our government, to say by our entire country. And I see that as the time in America where God turned his back on our country and said, and this is a biblical principle, if you want your sin so badly, have at it. And so he's he's allowing us to deal with the consequences of our sin right now. We are past the point where we can just pray for God to intervene. We need to repent, too, because it's, it's confession, repentance, and prayer that is the, the three things that work. It's not just prayer. And so God's not going to be mocked. We can't expect him to save our nation if we're not going to put in the hard work of turning from our sin. You talk about the adulterous behaviors that we engage in in our society uh, that seems to be the norm these days and how we rubber stamp what you was talking about, gay marriage. We're willing to give up our privacies, and that happened a lot during the COVID lockdowns and stuff. And uh, even our national security, look at how much we were willing to let that go. Uh, just over this uh, this pandemic stuff, uh, there almost seems like there's more of a sinister plot here than just a pandemic. Well, there is, right? And the, the latest, and this is why, if you want clarity on what's going on in America and around the world, to me, it just makes sense to look at it the battle of principalities, right? Because everything goes back to God, like I said, to save our country. But everything that's going wrong is of 
of the devil. And if you look at the LGBTQ agenda and how it has completely flourished since Obergefell v. Hodges, ushering in gay marriage, right? That is just a, a symbol of the cultural demise of our country, very, very Rome-like. But under this administration, we're not just, we're not just embracing the sins of the LGBTQ agenda. We are flaunting it. The LGBTQ flag hanging from the White House in between two American flags, as it was just a couple months ago under this Joe Biden administration, that's just an announcement to the world that America has turned a corner. We no longer care about God. As a matter of fact, we'll mock God because we know better than God. That is a huge danger for this country. And it's sad, but if you read your Bible, you see that Christians suffer with uh, the secularists and the atheists and the paganists and so forth. So I think we're all headed for some darker times. Yeah, and, you know, you, you point out in the book, too, that, you know, we've come to a point where we use and elevate human education, college degrees and that, over the point of just godly wisdom, you know, and beyond the point of, of pretending that it doesn't matter to God when it does matter to God. And, you know, for the first time in the last old month or so or a little longer. Cheryl, for the first time, I'm starting to hear leaders saying that they actually believe we have surpassed Sodom and Gomorrah, and we're just basically now in the days of Noah at the end. Honestly, I'm not surprised to to hear other people saying that, and I I tend to agree. If what you just said was was very insightful about uh, holding up education above God, godly wisdom, that's exactly where the coronavirus crazy came from. The idea that doctors with PhDs and letters after their name knew more about predicting where this coronavirus would lead than God did, it's that's a clear example of putting self and mind and your own education above things like discernment, right, a gift from God, knowledge, wisdom, uh, education, and so forth. And look at where it got us. Yeah. Now, right at the end of the book, you do give us a little bit of hope here. You you say if we want to know how to save America, fight to save America. You talk about that that's simple enough. You say the socialists, the communists, the Marxists, the collectiveness, they're not going to quit anytime soon. You talk about them being evil, but they won't be able to stand and withstand the pushback from God-centered, constitutional, knowing citizenry. It is a battle against principles, and it's always God's children who win. Well, now to get people to do that, how do you want to stir them up to get them to do this? Well, look, in that same epilogue, I give an example of my then 14-year-old daughter standing up for America, for God, in the face of the coronavirus uh, crazies. She had an orthodontist appointment, and when she would go to her orthodontist appointment, they would try and force her to wear a face mask in the um, in the guest area. But then, as soon as she got in the seat in the um, in the exam area, she would take the face mask off, and she refused to wear the face mask at all because, first off, in our family, we thought the face masks from the very beginning were stupid and non-scientific in in terms of what the government promised they were for, and. Second, 
second off, it doesn't make sense if you stand in one spot with a face mask and move a few feet to another spot and take the face mask off that the virus knows, oh, I cannot enter this air zone. So it, it's stupid just on a common sense uh, standard. And so that went on for a couple appointments, and then they told her, you are not allowed in this office anymore. We're not going to provide your orthodonta treatment unless you wear a face mask and she refused and that's where I got involved and I reminded them that you know the face mask may be some sort of bureaucratic dictate but I have a contract for this this medical profession professional to provide the orthodontia that was paid for and that is something that I would fight for so it all got worked out in the end my daughter did not have to wear a face mask of course because it was ridiculous but my main point here the takeaway is if a 14 year old girl can stand up to six adults who surrounded her in the sitting area and tried to force her to wear a face mask, and she sat there politely and said no and refused to, then think what an adult can do under similarly stupid conditions. All you have to do if you want to fight is this. Fight. Just You have in your power a voice, and you have in your own individual possession the ability to fight when things are ungodly, wicked, or just outright un-American. And if everybody would do that going forward, we will not have a repeat of the lockdown. Yeah, man, <laughs> you know, we need more moms like you out there uh, to help this, <laughs> you know. I was telling somebody the other day, and I'm sure it's been said before, that it is almost a shame that we've watched uh, the beer drinkers of America, I guess we could say, be able to shut down a very popular brand of beer by refusing to drink it because of a transgender commercial that was put out, and yet the Christians can't band together enough to put an end to some of this other stuff. It's kind of a shame that that, you know, we just can't seem to, how are we going to get these Christians together to work together on this projects like this? Isn't that despicable? That's that's a really good point, and you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, honestly, I think the problem, and I, this is why I wrote Socialists Don't Sleep, Christians Must Rise or America Will Fall, my previous book, is because I agree with you that Christians have been too quiet too long, and this is why America's facing the dark, perilous times it's facing. So hopefully we've reached a point where Christians are going to say no more, and they're not going to allow these same atrocities to go forward. Okay, so then that would bring me here to this, my last question here. Uh, what happens when this comes out again? Now, there's going to be some people, and we know what's going to happen again in some form, but there's going to be people this time that's going to be ready for it. They're going to stand up against it. They're not going for the deal. Uh, there's others that will just go right back along with it like before. We might see a kind of a different uh, way these things are handled, or they're going to have to come up with a different way to handle them. You have to resolve. What you just said was absolutely true, that this is going to happen again, right? We just don't know when. But I, I predict sometime soon. Because globalists see a golden nugget with Joe Biden in the White House. They don't want to wait for the next election. So resolve in yourself now how you might take that stand, whether it's pulling your kids out of public school so 
they're not being trained to go by government mandates over the Constitution. Or next time you see signs on your store windows, say, put a face mask on, it's the law. Don't. And see what happens. And I can guarantee that you aren't going to be arrested because there is no law. You just have to move outside that comfort zone and realize that freedom is precious and liberty we will lose it if we don't take the steps to keep it in the here and now instead of waiting for somebody else with a bigger voice or bigger platform to come along. It's up to each of us as individuals. Okay, so Cheryl, the book's titled Lockdown. Uh, before we leave, tell people again how they can find out more about this book, other books you've written, and also what the work is that you do right today. You can go to my website, CherylChumley.com, and you can see all my books. I have four nonfiction ones out there now, um, along with the endorsements. You can get these books anywhere, Amazon, Books A Million, wherever. Um, right now, my full-time position is online opinion editor and podcast host of Bold and Blunt at The Washington Times. Uh, you can see my work there, and you can find me on social media at Twitter at C.K. Chumley. All right. Well, Cheryl, thank you so much for being with us today and putting this book out. Thank you so much for having me. God bless. Good interview today. You know, I'm glad to see people, patriots, Christians together out there uh, working on the field uh, for our rights as Christians, as citizens of America. We write our books, but also, you notice today, Cheryl kept referring back to God, and that's where it all centers around. This other book I hold in my other hand here, the Holy Bible, the Word of God. And folks, we need to be following that as well. Uh, it really helps on all these other books for us to understand them if we know the Bible. It's the very essence of life. Accurately directs life. The Bible contains the most important words you're ever going to read, certainly ever follow. Be sure to join us again next time as we again discuss issues that are affecting the church. Have a great week. Allow God to use you for His purposes so that greater things can be done. Make your life count in God's plans for eternity. I'm Mark Taylor. Crosspoint is a program produced in Studio 101 at KNAO Radio. Not all of the views on Crosspoint reflect those of the management or staff of KNAO. You may contact the Crosspoint program at 10827 Highway 86 East, Neosho, Missouri, 64850, or by email crosspoint at kneo.org. You can hear Crosspoint four times a week, Saturday morning at 1, Saturday afternoon at 2, Saturday evening at 9, and Sunday evening at 7. You can also listen anytime on... Are you walking in everything God has for you? Hi, I'm Pastor Gary Culp. And I'd like to invite you to check out the Exceedingly Abundant Ministries podcast, available from the Sky High Podcast Network. This 30-minute weekly Bible study will give you time to grow spiritually and get to know God and His Word on a deeper level. God has more in store for you than you ever realized. Listen to Exceedingly Abundant Ministries today and learn about how God can do more with your life than you ever imagined. Harper's Kennel of Stella, Missouri is proud to be sponsoring this portion of broadcasting on KNEO. Owned by Judy and Danny Harper, Harper's Kennel of Stella, Missouri specializes in French Bulldogs. For more information, the phone number is 417-628-3083.